The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. That's Barahini here. Lauren Gunn joining me. Uh, we just got past a weekend that was filled with basketball a little bit, but mostly football because it was Super Bowl weekend. Lauren, did you get a chance to watch the game? Are you are you even a partaker in Super Bowl events or, or um, no? Normally I am. Normally I am, and I did tune in for the Rihanna show. So I did. I, I did tune in. But I had to see that, but He's I did laid. not watch. I kept tabs on the score, but I did not yeah. watch the game. Um, I don't know that I had a whole lot of stake in Chiefs Eagles, but um, <laughs> eh, I was glad it was a good game. Rihanna looked great, so it was a it was a I guess a successful Super Bowl for me. I'm assuming you are a proud Cowboys fan. <sighs> <laughs> I am the- proud is a strong word. <laughs> I don't know that I'd say proud, but I am unfortunately a Cowboys fan. Um, right, but not yeah. Not what at would all be proud the what? What would what do you think would be the NBA comparison for the franchise that is the Cowboys? Would the it be Cow- the, the Lakers it, I or think the it, Lakers? Would it be the first, Lakers? Well, no. Well, to me, it's the Lakers in terms of how it's. There's like there's so much brand. Uh, like the brand is so strong. There's fans right. everywhere. Like yeah, they yeah. always have a chance at whatever guys. But in One terms of, the of most them always highly choking, valued franchises. Yeah, obviously. yeah, yeah, exactly. But in terms of like the Cowboys choking, mm-hmm. I don't think you can necessarily compare them to the Lakers there. So I kind of, I don't want to say that the Knicks always choke either. But I, I kind of see but where may, you were going yeah, with that. So yeah, I, right, I right. could go. You could go Knicks. I would go Knicks. That makes they, sense. They, uh, they to me feel like, and this is just more of a Toronto thing, but the, like the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, mm. and you, you know what I mean. A lot of people would draw that comparison of like a, yeah, a, like storied franchise. But anyways, we're getting off track here. Super Bowl <laughs> was are. awesome. The game itself was pretty great. Uh, I'm a Chiefs fan, but my Chiefs well, fandom nice. is like very casual. Very, very casual. It's just an appreciation for Patrick Mahomes. And mm-hmm. I, I, hey, he did what he had to. It was amazing. On one ankle, ladies and that gentlemen. That was crazy. I'm just going just gonna to bring that up. One ankle. That's it. <laughs> he was limping and he got the dub. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, but yes, Rihanna was awesome. That was a great Super Bowl halftime show. Mm-hmm. I thought it was up there. I was I was in my living room. I was going <laughs> off. I'm not gonna lie. Were you to going you. off? I love I it. I was going off. Yes. Honestly, yes. it was just banger after banger, and it's it's one of those things that, I, and that's kind of how the Super Bowl is, always is. But when they're going through like their entire discography, you're just like, damn, damn. Yeah. And so yeah. I had that moment with Rihanna, and you just you gotta love her. You gotta love her. You know what she was doing? She was reminding everybody. That's what she, <laughs> she was, was doing. She, she went was. through she every like, single chorus she had ever sang in her life and <laughs> just reminded everybody how fire, like, the songs are just chef's kiss, ladies and gentlemen. You got a lot. All right, her. cool. On to the NBA stuff. Um, it was not an entirely busy weekend after the trade deadline, um, but there was some news. There were some lingering things that happened after the trade deadline that we should discuss. The Gary Payton, the second trade with James Wiseman and Sadiq Bay and a million second round picks involved, 
that was kind of in jeopardy of being tossed out. The main reason was because the the Blazers didn't. I guess there's been different wording on this. Um, mm-hmm. There's been different reports too, so it just it, it sort of feels like the Blazers and Warriors are taking shots back at each other. But um, there hasn't been a lot of clarity in terms of what actually happened. But apparently, the the Blazers ended up, you know, kind of not or withholding the information, mm-hmm. I guess, right. um, of Gary Payton the second's injury. Uh, and apparently the Toradol shots, I don't know, I don't know what kind of shot that is, but I guess it's the same thing Patrick Mahomes got in his ankle at <laughs> halftime. Uh, sorry, just had to, <laughs> to make sure oh my to God. throw that in there. Um, but yes, so it was, it, it, that was the kind of confusion there. They're also investigating and, and kind of the Warriors have launched an investigation. They've asked the NBA to launch an investigation on the Blazers, maybe withholding information in previous trades. Um, apparently the Larry Nance and CJ McCollum trade is one that they're trying to look into, but we'll Mm -hmm. see how that goes. That's probably an ongoing story. The main crux of this is that the, the trade is now going down after 48 hours of deliberation and arguments and whatnot. I'm assuming this trade is official, all good to go. Um, I guess that's it. That's the, (laughs) that's the housekeeping of it all. Do you, do you feel like that is fair? Do you think that's something that should have happened? I don't know. Yeah, it's a really weird kind of situation because obviously the the Gary Payton the second it was with him and it was the Warriors yeah. getting him and but it all hindered upon whether like the Warriors could just completely throw out this trade and so I thought it was very fascinating that we're seeing something like this unfold in a multi-team trade as opposed to a just one-to-one trade um so I was really curious about how the NBA was going to handle all of that um, and I, and like you said, the ongoing story with maybe even previous trades, maybe even others. I haven't heard of any other situations beyond the Larry Nance one, uh, right. but even even more that might potentially kind of unfold uh, or come out in, in all of this as all of this unfolds. So um, it's kind of a really interesting, another different thing that I think we're, we're seeing in the NBA. Um, but. I mean, the whole time that this was going through, I was like, what are they just going to send all these players back? I guess that that's on the table. They're saying that that's on the table. But can you imagine if all those players go back? And I, I was thinking primarily with Sadiq Bey going back to Detroit after hearing his name out there, all trade deadline. Yeah. James Wiseman going back to Golden State. like, mm. And so it yeah. was really hard even, for me to even the Gary that. Payton, Even the Gary Payton even back situation. To yeah, because there yeah. was a quote that said like he was ecstatic to get out of Portland. He was like, <laughs> yeah, "That's right." He, he, that's right. He, yeah, he was so happy. He was ready you know? to go. Or yeah, or it just everything about it. I was like, surely this will go through, but also if it doesn't, if it right. doesn't, like it's going to be really interesting. I don't think that we've ever seen anything like that, or at least it, that I can pull from memory and recent memory. Um, yeah. So it was a little crazy, but. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I t- to me, it feels like it's not over. Like it, it's over. No. The trade is complete. It's official per Woj last. I believe it was last night or, or yesterday at some point yesterday. But this whole thing, it seems like we're going to learn a lot more here. Yeah, and and I think the way to go about this probably would have been just to let the trade process, which they did, and then launch an investigation. And maybe there's some extra compensation that happens, or or a fine, I, yeah. or picks, or whatever that happens. That from makes there. sense. Um, another fallout from the trade deadline stuff is the buyout market, which is what everybody is going to be talking about for the next week or so before the All-Star weekend is where are these guys who are going to get bought out going to fall. We've already mm-hmm. had a couple of guys go to different places. Reggie Jackson going to the Denver Nuggets. 
And then we have uh, Terrence Ross going to the Phoenix Suns. Although it was close. It was pretty close that Terrence Ross was ending up with you guys. <sighs> I know. <laughs> I know. I was not happy. I'm not gonna, I sent a whole tweet out about it. Mavs yeah. Twitter, I think, was excited about it. I mean, it was right. like, Woj was the one that said he was. we were the front runner. And so I was like, uh, and I. what was funny is that, that the day that that got announced was the day that I was going to the Bruce Springsteen concert with my brother. And I was with my dad. Hell so yeah. we're, there, awesome. we're there talking Mavs, talking. That's just what we do. And my brother looks at me and he goes, who's going to snipe Terrence Ross away from us? And I go, I don't know, but it's going to be some. Actually, I think I said, I don't know, Celtics. And I was like, somebody's going to do it, though, because we never get anybody on the buyout market. We just don't. And this was like the most optimism I had having someone like Kyrie to pair with Luca. I was like, if they're going to get anyone on the buyout market, it's now. And I still think that they will, because to me, they have to. But um, to see it go from, oh, front runners to all of a sudden, oh, actually, psych, you're not. That was pretty, pretty disappointing, but also nothing new in Mavs fandom. Really, nothing new. So I yeah. just was like, "Good God!" We'll we'll get to we'll get to a little bit more of the Mavs fandom stuff in a second. But um, I think I think the Terrence Ross fit in Phoenix is interesting. I mm-hmm. I'm skeptical that he gets a lot of minutes. Um, I think this is a guy just he's a shooter. He's a streaky shooter at at that, and mm-hmm. he's a very very subpar defender. Maybe one of the worst defenders in the NBA. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that's not a great recipe for the way the Suns want to play. I think there's better shooters on the team between Landry Shamit, between Damian Lee. I think they're probably, they're definitely ahead on the pecking order. This is maybe more of an insurance aspect to be like, okay, if Lee isn't shooting the ball well, if Shamit isn't shooting the ball well, maybe if we don't have the answer that given night, okay, maybe we'll throw Terrence Ross in there. Um, right. and you know, with, with these like, I, I, Josh Okogi and um and Tory Craig are kind of like PJ Tucker esque players, right? right? They're like these smaller, kind of compact forwards that can do the big man things and kind of hustle. Uh, well, there's another guy we're going to talk about in a second, and Jared Vanderbilt, but they're they're in that similar vein of player, utility mm-hmm. knife type guys. I think adding shooters next to those guys to do dribble handoffs to kind of get things in motion that way. Terrence Ross is a great movement shooter. That's probably his main skill. I think mm-hmm. that type of stuff makes sense for Phoenix, especially with the way they like to kind of run this motion offense. Um, right. I, I will say, like, it's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, yeah, as much as I talk true. about Terrence Ross and Phoenix, these buyout guys, 99% of the time, buyout guys do not matter. We foam over we just we we love it every single time we're like oh my god these buyout guys might change the league it never happens (laughs) ladies and gentlemen it's rare Mm -hmm. very very rare there is one chance that these next two buyout guys that got signed might make a little make a little bit of noise in the playoffs reggie jackson Mm -hmm. denver nuggets which is also like why don't you just do the trade you know jackson and uh to jackson for bones highland and then two second round picks going the other way Maybe it was a tax issue. Maybe it was a money issue. Yeah, they I think just it, was, it would have been that a, way. It would have been a money issue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's probably the reason. But I, I guess, like, whatever. That doesn't matter. Either way, <laughs> Reggie Jackson ending up on the Denver Nuggets. He's going to be their backup point guard. I think he provides some of the same stuff that Bones does uh, mm-hmm. in terms of being an offensive-minded guard, a guy who's going to look for his shot. He's going to try to score first. And I think they have some of the same things, same qualities about them. 
good or bad, to be honest with you. I think yeah, like the, the, sure. the chucking, right? Uh, do you think that's a good <laughs> – it's part of it. It's I, I part like of that it. you put it that way. You know, the yeah. chucking. <laughs> yeah. It's, hey, look. I mean, it's, you need you gotta guys You got to call it like team. you see it. It's yeah. true. It's true. Yeah. Um, I, I like, I think that's where you're going with this. I like the pickup. I think it was a good pickup for Denver, for Denver, especially when you talk about, like you said, replacing some, something that you just lost. Um, I had questions kind of before the trade deadline. It was, it became apparent that they were going to move bones, but yeah. in the event that they had kept bones and you're trying to like look ahead, if you're a Nuggets fan or even just watching Denver, you kind of have questions about, okay, well, bones can come in and light it up, but He's still young. Like, can we rely on him in a playoff setting um, when the rotation shrinks? What does that look like? But Reggie Jackson, while there are similarities, like you said, with 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 the chucking, um, (laughs) the the Nuggets can rely on Reggie Jackson. He's got the playoff experience. They don't need him to to be the guy on the bench that just explodes offensively, uh, but they can rely him to get in there, get the ball moving, potentially get going because, I mean, as – from all the Mavs Clippers series, I've seen Reggie Jackson get going, and it's sometimes you just can't stop it. So, um, yeah. or maybe just the Mavs can't stop it. So, uh, I do think Reggie was a good fit, good pickup, especially in the buyout market because the Nuggets went out, they got their backup big. We kind of discussed the fit on our on our um, on our trade deadline kind of reaction Bonanza. and breakdown. Yeah, yeah, all of that. So, um, so I think kind of coming in again and filling the gap with Reggie uh, was a good pickup. As good you as mentioned, you for in the buyout market. Yeah. Again, for a buyout market guy, that's that's a pretty big swing. And compared to, like, if we're looking at what the Nuggets have done at this trade deadline, including the Jackson signing and trading Bones, they essentially added Thomas Bryant. They added Reggie Jackson. And I think adding those two guys who, like you said, are rotation pieces, guys that yeah. can probably throw into a playoff rotation and see what happens. I do still have questions defensively and – the Bryant situation, he's not a good defender. And Jackson, who isn't very good at defense either, that still doesn't really solve my problem when it comes right. to the Nuggets. It doesn't assure me a little bit more that they've found that out. I would have loved for them to be a t- just a little bit more aggressive yeah, in getting that wing defender. I'm shocked that they didn't try and go and get one of the wing defenders from the Clippers in that Bones Highland deal. I don't know who it would have been, but just just an extra guy, just one more right. body to throw out there. You mentioned Robert Covington on the trade deadline yeah. show. I think that would have been an awesome pickup. Just one mm-hmm. more wing guy that they can kind of throw into their lineups that can be a defender for them. That was something that I was looking for them to do. They didn't address that. Either Either way, they kind of doubled down on their offense, though, because Bryant is a good player. He, he's kind of like this this stretch five type who can shoot the rock. He can, he can kind of create his own offense as well. Same thing with Reggie Jackson who can shoot. And also, you mentioned it, but Reggie is a playoff performer, man. Yeah. Like, he really – his numbers really do change in the playoffs. Obviously, it's, it's a bit different, but the man goes from like 10 points a game, which is what he's been averaging for the last three years in Los Angeles, to 17. He, he <laughs> becomes a legitimate playoff performer. So I wonder if that ends up happening here in Denver. We'll see what happens. Um, mm-hmm. Another guy, Danny Green, ends up going back home to where he was – where he, where he started his career as a rookie. He's going to be a Cleveland Cavalier. Pretty cool story. I'm not sure how much more Danny has left in the tank, but mm-hmm. in terms of being a veteran presence, in terms of being just another stretch, you know, a, a shooter for them to kind of throw out there, I think he, he makes sense with that mm-hmm. core. I don't know if a lot of people have been mentioning that, like, hey, he might be that fifth starter for them because they're looking for that wing player. I don't know if Danny Green <laughs> – Danny Green in 2019 with the Raptors 
could do that. Danny Green sure. in 2020 with the Lakers could probably do that. Danny Green in 2023 after an ACL tear or MCL tear, I don't know, he, his knee, either way, at, a, as, at an age like that, the knee is not going to be a good thing to deal with. I just don't know if the dude is going to be able to do it. And I love Danny. Danny is one of my uh, yeah. favorite players all time. So I just, I don't know, but it's an interesting thing to see. We'll see how that looks. Yeah, I and it was an ACL. I, I fact checked you while you were while you were nice. gone, but cool. I do not. I don't see him starting there. It's really hard for me to to envision that. Um, but I think what you said in terms of being a veteran locker room presence, uh, yeah. I think they're ready to hit the ground running in the playoffs. Who knows how far they'll go, what it will look like, but I think they're really ready to just see what they can do. And having a guy like Danny Green, who, like you mentioned, uh, his time with the Raptors, his, even his time with the Lakers, um, and even his time with the Spurs, like he has all that experience and just leadership to offer. And kind of even, even in the moments when maybe you've got, cause in Cleveland, like even though they're performing well, you still have a, a new group. So there might be some, there's going to be pressure come playoff time yeah. of, Oh, does this work? Even though it is still so early and they look just fine. They're going to be just fine. And so having kind of that calming presence, um, cannot go undervalued. And so I like the Danny Green pickup. Personally, I don't I don't really have any expectations in terms of him. And I'm not saying he won't play at all, but in terms of um, consistency, production, I, I kind of setting my expectations low there, but I do think the intangibles, kind of what Theo Pinson uh, has done for the Mavs in terms of if, if any Mavs people are listening, not familiar with, with how yeah. this goes. But I think Danny Green is a good pickup in that regard. Hey, Theo Pinson... <laughs> Shout out to him though, because I, hey, I I've watched I watched the last two games because obviously I'm very glued in and I'm mm -hmm. I'm ready to see how this Kyrie fit looks and I'm excited the Kings game and whatnot both Kings games I watched both Kings games, um mm -hmm. and I'm just like wow this is he's more than just a you know the bench celebrating the guy, guy yeah the guy that and made them change I will the say rules it, it's a newer it's a newer thing it's right. a newer New thing him having because yeah. that. For a little while there, it was like, oh, he, he'll get spot minutes if somebody gets in foul trouble, whatever the yeah. case may be. But for a little while, he was the bench guy, keep the glue guy. Um, and so now seeing him get in there and, I mean, the dude plays hard. That's why they picked him up on that 10-day uh, way back when. Um, and that's why he ultimately, well, one of the reasons he got signed is because he just, he, he plays hard. And so seeing him get his, his opportunity out there and... Um, some nights the threes are going in. Some nights there's not a whole lot of offense going on. But right. the dude will play hard, and that's enough for Jason Kidd to rely on. Yeah, and they love him. They love him. Like they, uh, he they seems love like him. A, he seems like a big teammate guy. I will say. So this is we're talking about the Cavs. We're talking about the Mavericks. I'm looking at strength of schedule. Okay. Mm, uh, yes. The five easiest schedules the rest of the way. We're almost at All Star break, ladies and gentlemen. Which means there's about I'd say about 25, 25 games, give or take, for almost every single team. Um, the easiest schedule is going to be the New Orleans Pelicans. And I wanted to bring this up because we did get the update over the weekend that Zion Williamson will be missing multiple weeks uh, after the All-Star break um, as well because he re-aggravated that hamstring injury. I've talked about it at length. Uh, I, I wrote about it. Zion was genuinely – he was he was everything people imagined he would be when he was healthy this season and pretty much every season he's been healthy. Mm -hmm. Like he has looked exactly like what people expected a dominant paint presence. He looked ever more like a superstar. He's kind of getting a little bit better at the playmaking side of things an, an insane rebounder, great athlete, just unstoppable to just an unstoppable force. Genuinely, obviously the health stuff is concerning. It's something that 
it will forever be a part of Zion's journey, I feel. And I don't think, you know, at this point with the re-aggravations, the getting hurt and figuring it out thing, I think that's just going to be a part of what happens with Zion. I think the way the Pelicans will find how the Pelicans are able to maximize Zion and be like, okay, we're only going to play you for 50 to 60 games out of the year, maybe less. Yeah, let's say 50 to 60 games out of the year, and we just have to get you ready for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Um, And look, I mean, we're in the day and age of of load management. We're in the day and age of of player empowerment. And I think it's more acceptable in this current NBA to have a scheme for a player like that so they don't end up being a Greg Oden. So they don't end up being a Brandon Roy, right? Where it's like their careers have to be completely shelved because of their injuries. Whereas with with Zion, and you sort of see it with Kawhi, although he's older, it's like, okay, let's see – how we can manage this thing so you can play a few more seasons or multiple seasons. And I think Zion can have a long career that way. Yeah. It's just that they have to manage the the playing time, the games played per season, and just like the overall the the the, the load on him. I think that's an important aspect going forward. I will say though, Pelicans are in a precarious position. I'm curious to know what your thoughts are because they're mm-hmm. kind of hovering in that playing territory. Obviously, the middle of the West is crazy. Some some teams have made upgrades. The Pelicans didn't necessarily make that upgrade. They got Josh Richardson, which maybe he'll be a rotation guy, but nothing substantial. Do you think that they can survive uh, an extended period post-All-Star break? We're talking like maybe – I would say he's probably gone for all of March. Yeah, that's probably would... my estimation. So he comes back first week April. Where are the Pelicans at that point? What do you think? They also <laughs> just keep in mind. I did say that they have the easiest schedule in the league coming yeah, forward. I'll... So yeah, I'm I'm glad you brought that back up because that is definitely a big part of all of this. Um, I mean, I think that they will be in play play in territory. Mm-hmm. Part of it because of the. The remaining schedule part of it, I mean, we don't quite know how long he'll be out yet. Um, And then, again, just looking at the teams that are below, um, I think some of those teams will take steps back. But we talked about the Lakers, who we think are are going to take steps forward. And so I think that they're going to be right in the play-in range. But I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be a little dicey for them. And and that's assuming that Brandon Ingram – um, and everybody else is fully healthy, ready to go to to kind of carry them uh, and just, I guess, survive until Zion gets back. So um, I am concerned about the Pelicans, to be quite honest. I don't know that I have a whole lot of confidence that they are going to survive enough to make it to the postseason. I hope that they do because I thought that they were a really fun team. But I like mm-hmm. what you said about how to manage all of this. And, and it will be interesting because Zion is still so early on in his career that they can say, okay, we have enough of a sample size to determine that, okay, we need to either load manage or do X, Y, Z to, like you said, prevent a Brandon Roy, a, Grant, a Greg Oden situation. And so I'll be interested to see how they do that. And then I think part of it, another part of it is the fact that there's still such a young core. This isn't like a, like right. a, um, I hate to say it, but like a Toronto that got scotty barnes that has like that. i'm so sorry i'm so sorry but no, it was the first okay, thing though. it's it funny thing. it's funny messiah jerry threw out his press conference recently he was just like this is a young team and everybody's like 
This isn't a young team. <laughs> Siakam and Van Vliet are almost 30 years old. Sorry, go uh, ahead. You're good. No, yeah, yeah but, but that's kind of my point is that the, the Pelicans, they are a pretty young group. And even though they do have some guys that are, are have been in the league for a little while, those guys, while they are parts of the quote-unquote core, they can – they can ride their timeout or even move on if they have right. to, but their young core is uh, on the same timeline, and they can kind of retool a little bit. And and when I say retool, I don't mean move off Trey Murphy or Herb Jones, anything like that, but they can bring in guys to help kind of address the time when Zion could be out in a load management kind of situation if that's their approach starting from day one um, next season or whatever the case may be. And and for the mm-hmm. Pelicans, I don't think that they will be looking to next season at all, but I do have a lot of concern about them going moving forward uh missing zion for yet another extended period of time right and yeah i mean to your point about what they're going to do moving forward the shifting pieces i think consolidation is probably something that they're looking forward to yeah i I honestly think you know especially with the lakers making moves and the lakers made moves early you know like trading Rui, uh getting d'angelo russell those were like earlier on in the week so i'm i'm kind of I'm surprised that the Pelicans didn't end up moving the Lakers pick this year because I assume the Lakers will be in play-in territory. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the very least, they're going to be uh, in that play-in spot. They're probably going to – I think the Lakers probably end up in a playoff spot. Maybe they're the 7 or 8. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But a lot of things have to go right for that to happen, by the way. But I, I guess the, the 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 point I'm trying to make is like they had a move to make some – they had the chance to make something pretty substantial happen this season with a little bit of a move if they had moved the Lakers pick plus maybe one of their prospects that they're not in love with, like a Jackson Hayes or a Najee Mark, yeah, maybe. Exactly. You know what I mean? If they were to exactly. move one of those guys, they could have maybe added something substantial to that. We'll see what happens. They're taking the patient approach. That is completely fine to do, especially with the young core that they have. But losing Zion will hurt a lot. Um Listen, ladies and gentlemen, think you know what way it's going to go. Make your bet at Sports Interaction. Whatever your sport, Sports Interaction has you covered. Pre-game live betting on all major sports and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to Sports Interaction slash SDP. Sorry, I messed that up. Head to SportsInteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Okay. Let's talk about some of the trades that went down. Mm-hmm. And uh, although, although, actually, do you want to touch on some of the other potential buyout guys that are happening? The Russells, yeah, we the can... John Walls, and Pat Bevs. Yeah, and let's take a look at that. Let's take a look at that. Sure. I guess the 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 question I'll have with you is: Do you do you think Russ? And this is maybe a conversation about Russ in general. But do you think mm-hmm. at this point he can be a contributor to any type of team? Or like, you know what I mean? Do you do you think he still has any juice left in him? Personally, yeah, I, I I do. I think that the fit and based on what the team is going for. To me, that is going to determine his availability, what he ends up doing. But I absolutely think Russ has juice left in the tank. Uh, But I will say, I don't think if you're a contending or if you're any contending team or a team looking to add talent, I don't think that you should just necessarily go all in on Russ. Like, for example, Mm -hmm. and I again, to always bring it back to Dallas, I've seen some people be like, oh, go get that third point guard or, or whatever. No, I don't like no, that fit no, no, with no, Dallas, no, no. but with a no. team like Miami or a team that needs to go out and try and run and gun or, or add a little bit of depth uh, in the point guard position. I do think that there are good fits out there, whether it be quote unquote retooling teams, younger teams that need his experience and his, I guess, leadership as a teammate um, or teams that are trying to be competitive. I absolutely think he has juice left and something to offer to, to any of those teams. Yeah, I agree with you. I think, 
the best situation for Russ is on a team that is middling right now, that is struggling to get to the, to a playoff spot. Yeah. And that like just need that extra bit of boost to get there. Um I don't think the Los Angeles Clippers make a lot of sense. Uh I don't just either. because like I think they they kind of they have bones, right? Which I think will play a factor in the shot making that they've added. I, they've added Eric Gordon, who is another shot creator, shot maker off the bench. I feel like Russ adding Russ would be like too many cooks in the kitchen off the bench. Mm-hmm. It's just like a lot of stuff. You don't necessarily need it. I think the more I've I've thought about it, I think I'm coming around to the fact that Chicago makes the most sense. They clearly are trying to win. There's an obvious connection there between Billy Donovan and the and Russell Westbrook. Um and I think maybe in that situation with Levine and DeRozan, maybe adding an extra cook might help a little bit. I like just that. Because it's just, hey, let's just let's add some talent. Let's mm-hmm. refine some talent. And Russell Westbrook obviously still obviously still has a little bit of juice in him. He was I think he was better this season. He wasn't good, but he was better this season for the Lakers. Um I don't know. I, I think, honestly, the, the conversation around Russell Westbrook, the conversation around Russell Westbrook has become exhausting. It is. Um, because there is always some kind of conversation around a guy like that. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, it's kind of overcorrected. It's went way too far. Maybe yeah. when we were talking about him as a as a perennial you know, all-star and MVP and whatnot, maybe that conversation went too far. Maybe we overvalued the triple-double stuff. And mm-hmm. now it's going completely in the opposite direction. And yeah. I don't think that's fair to the type of talent that he was. I think people are underestimating just how good he looked in OKC with Durant. That was one of the most unstoppable duos in in the NBA, maybe arguably in NBA history when it's all said and done. Mm-hmm. I think genuinely there's there's a spot for him in Chicago, even at this age, to to kind of figure things out. I I would bet the Bulls are are the are... the pick that makes the most sense to me. Yeah, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Clippers are like hungry for more. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that's that's the thing that uh, sometimes I I think at least sometimes I'll see things on Twitter that I'm like people people are just missing. They're just missing that little detail of sometimes maybe it doesn't make the most sense or maybe there's a better fit elsewhere. But for some teams, the hunger from the front office to whether it's a star, a big name, a star, whatever the case may be, a young Love guy, yeah. they have to go for it and they can't resist. And so I like the Bulls. I think it's a, a really intriguing fit. Um, I And I'm kind of with you. I'm not super keen on the Clippers, but I would not be surprised if that ultimately ended up happening. I'm mm-hmm. kind of hoping that we do get some sort of like buzz of a wild card team coming in there and being like, you know what? Right. We think we're going to take this gamble. And, and, and when I say that, I kind of hope it's a younger team just because I would I think that that is the best redemption story for Russ to get in there, to have all these young guys looking up to the, to him, to learn from him, to work with him, to continue to praise him, the coach praise him. Um, I would really, really love to see that become the narrative. But I do think it at this stage in his career, especially as a buyout guy, I think something more like. Uh, the Bulls, Miami, even the Clippers, even the Knicks, maybe shoot. I, I personally, I think that'd be a terrible move for the Knicks, but I would yeah, not would be, be surprised but... if the Knicks did that at all. Um, just cause they've been linked to him before. So, yeah. uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens, but I, I definitely think he is going to get picked up and I'm excited to see where he ends up. Right. Yeah. It'd be funny if he moved across the hall, that would be very, <sighs> very interesting. Uh, a lot of drama in Los Angeles that way. A lot of vampires apparently too. Um, 
Yeah, we'll see. There, Russ is obviously the big, uh, the big dog in the buyout market. But there's John Wall, there's Pat Bev. We'll see what those other guards kind of shift and move over. I'm assuming Russ will be the first domino to to go ahead and and sign on, and then those other guys will fill in the spots that that maybe weren't there. So if Chicago is looking for a point guard and they get Russ, maybe the Clippers end up picking up, um, you know, Pat Bev. I don't know, but we'll, we'll we'll see what happens there, ladies and gentlemen. Should be very very interesting. Um, I wanted to talk to you, Lauren, about something that had went down in terms of the trades that we're talking about. You know, obviously trade deadline was was massive. Everybody talks about the Durant and and we're probably a few weeks away from actually seeing Durant in person with Booker and whatnot. So it'll take a while for us to get the observations of what the Phoenix Suns, the new look Phoenix Suns look like. But there are some teams that have already thrown out their players, their big their big trade swings. Um, and there are some observations. I'm curious to know your thoughts because obviously the Maverick situation with Kyrie Irving is the first one that comes to mind. Um, and he's, he's, I think he's looked great, but the team also looks pretty good. Yeah, the Mavs do look good. I mean, the Kyrie fit, I had my questions about it, but the first game against the Clippers, I keep wanting to jump to the Kings, but his first game against the Clippers right. was kind of eye-popping and I tweeted out that I was shocked because the Mavs were playing with pace they were getting out in transition uh, and they were running an offense they were actually there was movement and I was not used to that and so um, guy when you have guys like Reggie who's who always tends to hit his stride in the second half of the season starts really knocking down those open threes uh, Josh Green who's improved from three when you have those guys and you're playing with with movement with a guy like Kyrie and that draws all the attention it's it's not similar. It's not similar to Luca because they're playing at two completely different speeds, which I think when you have both of those guys out on the floor is only going to make it more difficult to kind of predict. Um, I, and I should say both of them when you have them out on the floor together more consistently. Um, but I do, I did like what I saw from Kyrie. I liked how he was interacting with the coaches, the teammates. Uh, it looked good. And so um, I tweeted out before their very first game, I was really intrigued to see Josh Green potentially get in the starting lineup um, mm -hmm. and play with Kyrie in transition. And he he looked great. And so uh, yeah. I think he Ky having Kyrie is going to do wonders for a lot of people's games. Christian Wood is another example. And I think even Tim Hardaway Jr. could potentially benefit from it because uh, he's gotten out in, in transition at some points during the season. Um, and he's shown that he can do it, but it's just not that consistent because that's not the way the Mavs play. But you insert Kyrie and maybe things change a little bit. So I'm really interested as the sample right. size grows to see what Kyrie looks like. But being able to rely on him, even last, even uh, the last game against the Kings, even though they lost, I'm not even really going to get into how bad they lost that one at the end there. But that's another conversation. <laughs> was, but with it was a good game though. I'm not it, was it was a good, good game, game, but I just was like, oh, "What are we doing? Please draw something up. Please <laughs> draw something up." Um, but again, right. another conversation. Uh, but Kyrie being able to just take a take a sidestep and then just chuck up a three and it just splash. Dallas being oh, able man. to have something yep. like that. And and yeah, Spencer Dinwiddie showed that a couple of times, but it was never something that you were like, oh yeah, the second it goes up, it's probably going in. Or like there's a decent shot that that's going in. Um, you didn't always have that confidence. But when Kyrie is shooting that ball, I think you can have that confidence. And so it was good for to see that from Luka, to, or to see Luka experiencing that, the rest of the team. So I like it. I like it so far. We'll see what happens. But um, yeah, they look good. I think... 
to your point, that'll be a bit of an adjustment for Luca too, because oh, I don't, yeah. he hasn't been used to playing with a shot maker like Kyrie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, there was that quote afterwards that he said like, Oh, I should have passed it to Kai in that moment. Yeah. I probably should have passed it to Kai. Um, to your point about pace, which is 100% true. The Mavericks are 27th in the NBA in pace. Uh, so they do not. And look, a lot of that is a product of the probing manipulative style that Luka Doncic likes to play. He is constantly hunting for mismatches, hunting for an advantage. So that, you know, in and of itself is a slow grind. Um, and that's how he wins, right? He's he's kind of like this big bruising post, play, post player as well. So he likes to work from there. A lot of that doesn't require a ton of running, to be honest with you. Right. But I think one dynamic, and you, you touched on it 100%, is Kyrie adds fluidity and pace to this team. He gets guys going. He gets them mm-hmm. out and running. And a guy that helps most importantly is Josh Green. I am writing a newsletter about the man right now as it. we speak this morning. I'm writing about your guy, Josh Green. Um, even before Kyrie came, though, he was balling out. Uh, just mm-hmm. to kind of throw out the stat lines for his last couple of games. Uh, obviously, in Sacramento, that loss that they had, 23-5. and five. The win, he had 17-4-7. and seven. And then against the Clippers, 14-5-1. and one. In Utah, 29-6-2. and two. That's, the, that's the Jaden Hardy and Josh Green game, yeah. which was really, really impressive. Shows you that Jaden Hardy has a little bit of juice to him as well. I'm... Hey, I'm not going to lie to you. I am very intrigued by the Mavericks young guys when it comes to Josh Green and Jaden Hardy. Jaden Hardy mm-hmm. just clearly has a lot of juice to him. And I think playing with a guy like Kyrie, Kyrie. will actually help Hardy a ton. Mm-hmm. It'll help Hardy a ton because he – like learning the kind of ancillary skills, the movement, the fluidity stuff that Kyrie has at this young of an age for Hardy – Mm-hmm. going to be essential going down the road. So I, that's, that's going to be interesting to see how that kind of looks in the next couple of months. Josh Green, though, is the guy I'm most interested to see. I think he's like the X factor here for the Mavericks. I don't know if for you necessarily sure. would agree with that. But I think I think like just the – obviously him as this, this wing defender for them and what he can do defensively in terms of guarding your best player and whatnot. And, and maybe that kind of proves to be true over these next couple of months and into the playoffs – but I think the offensive side of things, the athleticism that he shows, his ability to attack a closeout, get to the rim, make a decision whether he's going up for the for the layup or he's kind of kicking it out. He he uh, in that Sacramento game, he had a couple of these nice wraparound passes, and I'm like, man, I had no idea You'd Josh Green had this type of vision. Mm-mm. Yeah, uh, ne- so yeah, and so I, most I was people really don't. surprised. Most people do not know that he has that in his game. And so the way that they're guarding the offense, it's like all of a sudden, oh my God, he just made like a like a Luka-like read where he's thinking three steps ahead and he finds the wide open shooter. Mm-hmm. And there are absolutely times where he gets stuck. And we saw him more so early on in previous years, but he would drive and get stuck because maybe a lack of confidence, maybe just a bad read. But as time goes on, we're seeing less and less bad reads. We're seeing less and less him getting stuck. Again, still happens from time to time, but he has become a very, very key part to what they're doing, especially when you don't have Dorian Finney-Smith. Before, it was very much Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock. Those are your defensive guys. Those are going to tag team kind of the two most, two biggest opposing offensive threats. But now you've got Reggie Bullock and Josh Green. And even though they give up a little bit of size, you're getting Maxi back soon. So I'm really interested to see how those three at least try to hold it down for Dallas enough to where they can get yeah. out and maximize on the fluidity. Like you mentioned, uh, that Kyrie and Luca 
sort of will have and, and will kind of balance out uh, in terms of just continuing to grow the offense and, and have it evolve, really. Yeah, I'm very I'm going to be tuning in to a lot of Mavericks games down the stretch because it. it's just it's going to be fascinating to me to see how how that unfolds the dynamic between those two guys and then how it it kind of impacts the Christian Woods, the Maxi Kleber's, the the Josh Greens of it all because mm-hmm. it it just it's interesting. It's cool when you throw a a dynamo kind of like just like a random guy into into a, a lineup how it kind of works and my i'm really interested to see how the i don't know if this will end up being the closing lineup you probably know better than me but like fully mm. healthy would be christian wood maxi cleaver josh green uh Kyrie and luca yeah am i, am I, I kind of forgetting someone in this situation yeah no i mean reggie could be depending on the deep like to me it's gonna either it's gonna be that right. five but you're either going to have Reggie or Maxi in there. It's going to be one of those two for defense, just depending on who you're playing. Um, but to me, that is right. the closing lineup. Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. Uh, Mavericks look good. Mavericks look good. They, it's going to be interesting. They're another team that has an easy schedule, by the way. They have the uh, fourth easiest schedule in the <sighs> NBA. Uh, the second or third easiest schedule in the entire West. So they have a chance to pick up some wins here. Obviously, the loss and the win... Uh, 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 the the kind of like splitting the home and home type of mm-hmm. thing against the Kings, um, that's going to be a deciding factor moving forward because that's who that's who everybody is chasing in the in the Western Conference. Everybody is kind of looking at the Kings and looking at them like chop liver because they don't have <laughs> that top end talent, you know. And everybody's like, oh, this they they got there, and maybe maybe the Kings start feeling that a little bit too. I don't know if maybe. that ends up happening, but maybe the Kings have this this feeling of like, oh my God, everybody is chasing after us. Everybody wants that third seed because they think that we're not deserving of that third seed. Um, but the Kings have been awesome. They Can't have. hate it. Can't knock on it. Um, so the, the other team I wanted to talk about that looked different, looked cool, uh, was the New Look Lakers. Oh, yeah. New Look Lakers. Um, listen, I think there was a lot of differences in the way they looked in that Warriors-Lakers game. Now, granted, LeBron James didn't play. Mm -hmm. He's dealing with a foot injury or an ankle injury. I don't know. Every other day, it's kind of reported differently. (laughs) And we'll see how that progresses. Honestly, that's probably the biggest X factor to see how how many wins they can get and if they can actually climb into the play-in. But outside of him, I think Rob Polinka did a hell of a job assembling this (laughs) roster. Um I man, I did not know. We kind of we we touched on it when we broke down the the trade for Rui. Um mm-hmm. and we said like, hey, it's it's interesting how he's breaking up these assets into multiple trades. Yeah. Um and what he did here with the Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and and D'Angelo Russell deal, he only sent one first round pick, acquired yep. three rotation players, guys who on their fir- in their first game, other than Malik Beasley, who didn't shoot the ball well, it's just going to be for him. It's going to be shoot or miss. Like he's it's right. it's either Which he is... hits his shots that night or he doesn't hit. Yeah, yeah. Um, but other way, did you have any kind of like uh, take? Like, did you did you did you notice anything from that Lakers game? Did you did it feel different for you compared to any other Lakers games that you've watched? Yeah, it def- oh it definitely felt different at least to me. Um, I will say it's hard for me to take a whole and this might just be my lakers skepticism i'm fully 
able sure. to admit that. But I... It's needed. When, it's needed, yeah. When you don't have LeBron James, it's hard for me to take a whole lot away from the Rui performance or the fact that Dennis Schroeder goes off for 26. Um, but when you've got mm-hmm. Jared Vanderbilt filling the stat sheet, also scoring the ball, D'Lo kind of filling the stat sheet a little bit, filling the gaps of where... They needed the scoring. They needed the facilitation. And then, again, you have Rui uh, yeah. putting up points, kind of, um, I don't want to say, like, living up to the expectation that they had for him because, personally, I guess I don't quite know what that was. But when you see him playing 30-plus minutes a game, putting up 16 points, like you said, I think Rob Polinka did a hell of a job. I'm still scratching my head on how only one first-round pick went out and all these guys came Crazy. In. So... I think the yep. new look Lakers are going to be really intriguing. I 100% agree that LeBron is the X factor. I um, I mean, LeBron is LeBron. The dude is going to play at all costs if he can. I fully believe that. But I do have a lot of concern about a foot injury because when you're a little bit older, sometimes the feet can be the feet and the knees. To me, mm-hmm. those can get real real tricky real quick. So I hope for his sake that, that you know, it's all good. Um, again, I'm also confused on the reporting because there seem to be so many things out there, but um, I'm really intrigued at what this right. group looks like at full strength because I think they, like we said, they got guys, a lot of different kinds of guys, and they're, I mean, to me, they're versatile. Rui and Jan- Jared Vanderbilt make them versatile. So I'm really, really intrigued by what right. that looks like at full strength. Now, I will say, obviously, there was no Steph Curry. And the also Warriors, true. they they played a game without their main guy. Poole had his, you know, the, the guys who you would think contributed, contributed. They did their thing. In in a pre-all these trades, before R- Russell and Vanderbilt and Beasley and what them w- walked into this team, I do not think the Lakers win this game. With the yeah. roster that they had before this they would not have won this game. It doesn't matter if Steph Curry was out. It doesn't matter if LeBron James was out. The fact that LeBron was out and they ended up pulling out this win, despite Steph not being there, it doesn't matter. That team would have lost. 110% that team would have lost the game. This team didn't. And it was because they had con- con- contributions from Vanderbilt, who I think, like I mentioned kind of at the top of the pod, is this utility knife guy. He can do a bunch of different things. He can pass for you a little bit. He can defend. He can rebound. He can block. You know, like he does a little bit of everything. And I think he has to start. There is no question. Yeah. Now, the 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 fit between Anthony Davis and Jared Vanderbilt is kind of wonky. Uh, it's it, it, yeah, it definitely raises questions offensively for like, okay, if Vanderbilt is in the dunker spot, then how are you going to start running those like – clear you know weak side pick and rolls that they run or like the the clear side pick and rolls that they run with lebron and ad and like if the lob threat like vanderbilt's guy is going to be right there he can help so i don't know i i have no idea they're gonna have to work it out positionally and see how they can put vando somewhere that he would be useful where ad isn't on the court um We'll see what happens. I think Russell D'Lo having another playmaker besides Schroeder makes a lot of sense. I don't think both of those guys should start. However, I imagine when LeBron comes back, he probably takes one of those spots. And I would say, you know, in this game, Troy Brown Jr. started. I think Jared Vanderbilt should start. Um, So it it would be, you know, AD, Braun, Rui, Vando. Russell. Now, I don't know how much that that hurts you spacing wise and whatnot, but you can get funky with your lineups. And I will say, I think the the biggest question going forward with the Lakers will be how Darvin Ham incorporates these guys, mm-hmm. how he kind of moves these pieces. And I, from what I see on Lakers Twitter, 
there is some skepticism about how rigid uh, or I guess the lack of fluidity Darvin Ham has in making adjustments and kind of tweaking things on the fly. That's okay. definitely going to be a question going forward because it seems like when something is set in stone that way, uh, for Ham, it's kind of set in stone. It's like, hey, yeah. this is the lineups we're going for. These are the starting lineups. These are the guys who come in at this time, this time, this time. I understand that. That's kind of something that Coach Bud, a guy who Darvin Ham obviously came up under, is known for as well. Mm-hmm. But I do think when you're incorporating so many new pieces into a team, you need to have a little bit more fluidity. You need to be able to try things out. Yeah. I think Jared Vanderbilt being in the starting lineup is one of those things. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that's it for the, the new look Los Angeles Lakers. I will say there's another team, and this isn't a team that I didn't, I, I didn't expect for us to have a conversation on just yet. We're going to – by the way, folks, for everybody who is listening right now, we are going to end up talking about all these teams and breaking down all their plays with actual beat writers and reporters that cover those teams. That is coming in the next month. We're going to be talking to Suns beat writers, Nets beat writers, Mavericks, you know, whatever, whatnot, right? They're going to be coming on the show. Really excited for you guys to listen to those conversations as well. When it comes to the Nets, though, they don't look that bad, Lauren. Mm-mm. They do not look that bad. I think... Like Mikhail Bridges, mm-hmm. the on-ball stuff that he has learned in in Phoenix, and like I said, with the motion offense and the egalitarian kind of "Hey, your turn, my turn" stuff that they do in Phoenix has really helped him develop on ball. Uh, he had twenty three in his first game in in um, against Philly, and and the Nets lost by three. But I think he looked really, really good in that. Mm-hmm. I'm a primary option role um and their defense looked even better i think the combination of dfs cam johnson bridges and then you can throw in uh, a royce o'neill ben simmons whenever he's up and ready to play like nick claxton obviously there's a lot of switchability there's a lot of potential defensively and i think this team can be really really good on the defensive end um any observations from brooklyn do you think do you think there's anything that kind of took you by surprise or anything like that um Hmm. Took me by surprise. I guess probably the Mikhail Mikhail Bridges kind of potentially taking this step forward and showing that he can be that number one option. Um, it was one of those things that when mm-hmm. the trade happened, it was clear that he was the most the best asset in that trade. But I was wondering what that was going to look like, how quickly uh, he could, or even if he would potentially take that step forward uh, of being beyond this right. elite three and D guy. And, and it looks like we're seeing the kind of flashes of that being the, the possibility, especially when you're surrounded with guys like Dorian Finney Smith, Nick Claxton, like you mentioned, the defensive versatility of those guys. So I'm really interested to see how this does work out for Mikel Bridges. Uh, and then you mentioned Cam Johnson uh, as another guy who we've seen the development so far, Uh, But he still looks like he has room to grow and contribute now. So I like this blend of youth and kind of veteran uh, leadership that they've got. To me, this is not at all Uh what we saw with the Utah Jazz in terms of blowing it up, getting Lowry Markkinen, getting Walker Kessler, and kind of having these two intriguing young guys that that are their key pieces. To me, this is completely different. These are guys that you've got a guy in the Defensive Player of the Year, uh, conversation. You've got a guy in Cam Thomas who's exploded uh, at different points in the season and I think is only going to continue to develop. Um, and then you've got all these other guys that you just traded for who are, again, can contribute now and also have room to grow. So I think that they're going to be 
I think that they're kind of I think that they're kind of feisty. I do, and so I I'm intrigued by it because another yeah. factor uh, with the Nets' identity is to me all of these guys have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder. All of these guys play hard, and to me that's what Josiah has been wanting this whole time. So um, I like it. I think it's it's intriguing and. As I'm saying that, I'm recognizing that some people might be like, well, Ben Simmons, how can you say that with Ben Simmons? But I think the the overall <laughs> identity of the Nets, they play hard. They're a little feisty. Um, and I like the group. I'm intrigued to see how they continue to mesh together and, and grow together because I think that there's potential for sure. Lauren, this is our last pod before we, we talk during All-Star Weekend. So I guess mm-hmm. anything you're looking forward to in the All-Star game, in the All-Star Weekend stuff, uh, anything Oof. you're excited for? Oh, man. Oh, God. I guess, I mean, I'm always excited for the All-Star game. It's always interesting. I guess mm-hmm. I'm excited for the memes that are going to come from the Salt Lake, Utah graphic. Because, <laughs> you sure? know, there are going to be some. Um, but That was horrible merchandising if it's real. Horrible. I, I believe it's real. I, be- I mean, looked real. So, I- <laughs> good God, I don't even know. But it's hard. It's hard to say that I'm super excited for the dunk contest or the three-point contest because I, I just think it needs a revamp, which is a conversation that has been had by many people many times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there are, there are I guess, certain things that I'm excited about for the dunk contest, like the fact that Mac McClung is the first G League player to be in there. I'm excited for him about that. Am I going to watch the dunk contest? Honestly, I might just watch the recap. And to me, that speaks to the quality of All-Star Weekend and how it True. has changed over time. True. Um, so I, that's just, kind of, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with all-star weekend, but as far as to me, it's always just the game. I'm interested in the highlights. I'm interested in the little conversations that happen. That's what I look forward to the most, but it is funny to see how over the years, the all-star weekend and all-star game and all the events have changed and have sort of lost overall interest Some of the at least with me yeah. personally. What about yeah, you? I, I get it. Um, I'm excited for the All-Star game as well. I think the coolest aspect is them doing the draft live before the game right yeah. after. So we don't know who the teams are. Yeah. And obviously they're going to be drafting them live on TV. So that'll always create a ton of drama and controversy oh, yeah. and <laughs> memes and whatnot. So that, I, I'm excited for that. I will say I agree with you on the dunk contest. I think we've reached the capabilities of human beings uh, at this point yeah. when it comes to dunks. We just we've explored it all. Unless somehow someone gains a bionic arm or (laughs) we somehow learn how to jump 10 feet higher than people usually jump, we've just reached the – we've reached the 99 percentile of dunking. We've seen Mm -hmm. almost every single thing. And look, yes, there's always ways to reimagine things. There's always cool ways to do it. There's always flair. There's personality. I think that's part of the dunk contest aspect of things as well. But you're right. For the most part, we've seen 99% of the dunks that they do, and it Mm -hmm. it loses the luster. So we'll see what happens. Uh, We'll be, ladies and gentlemen, SDPM right here. We will be in Utah, in Salt Lake City. Never been, by the way. So if any jazz fans are listening, holla at your boy. Send me a DM. Uh, let me know if there's any place, anything to do in Salt Lake City. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure there's stuff to do, especially during the All-Star Weekend. But we will have a lot of fun. We'll be, we'll be shooting content and doing things. And, uh, and folks, tap in to the Objective Basketball Podcast because we're going to be doing podcasts continuously. We're here. 
We're, we're, we're rocking. We're here to remind <laughs> y'all, like Rihanna remind like y'all at the Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, Lauren, any final words? No, I, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for, for the All-Star Weekend. We'll see, it. We'll see what we get from it because, you, like you said, there's going to be some drama. You can always yeah, count on the NBA for some drama. Absolutely. Absolutely. Should be fun. Uh, we'll see you guys later. Thank you for, for joining us here on the Objective Basketball Podcast. Do the little subscribing, the, the rating, and all that stuff on, on your respective streaming networks. We will see you guys later. Bye-bye. Follow hosts at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.